Kaepernick, Tiger, the WGC match play. That's next on the Cam Rogers Show. It's the Cam Rogers Show with Cam Rogers. I know more than you. Every Saturday evening on ESPN New Hampshire. Oh, yeah. I am the greatest. Welcome to the Cam Rogers Show. It is ESPN New Hampshire and ESPNNH.com. I am Cam Rogers. Thank you so much for taking time out of your day to listen to the program. And we will be going for a little bit amount of time. We know you have things to do. We won't take too much out of your day. But there's a lot to get to across the sporting world. A few NFL headlines. Of course, you have Tiger Woods, who's selling his new book, has made a couple of media appearances. Will he play at Augusta in a couple of weeks? We'll talk about that. And, of course, the WGC Match Play Tournament is tomorrow. So it's a Wednesday where there's a start on the PGA Tour. Usually it's on a Thursday, but with the amount of golf that will be played this week, got to do an extra day. So there's a lot to get to. We'll start things off with some NFL headlines. Of course, the dust has settled a bit in terms of NFL free agency. The big stuff, the big signings, the splashes, if you will, they have all subsided. But there are some nuggets to kind of pick apart here. We'll start off with Colin Kaepernick. And, of course, the layman NFL fan may know Mr. Kaepernick from his protests of the national anthem, creating a political discussion, creating a conversation off the football field. But Jim Harbaugh had an interesting little thing to say on Pro Football Talk Live that was today saying, quote, I'll tell you the same thing I tell them. I think he's an outstanding player, and I think he's a great competitor who has proven it in games and has the ability to be not only an NFL starter, but a great NFL player. Now, Colin Kaepernick coming off a pretty brutal season in terms of the entire team, the San Francisco 49ers in the 2016 campaign, really was not all that impressive. You look at some of the years for Colin Kaepernick, he's had some pretty good successes. You look back in the 2012 campaign where he started a good amount of games, ended up going to the Super Bowl playing my Baltimore Ravens. 2013, Started all 16 games. You know, the statistics in terms of completion percentage, he's not going to wow you, 58.4%. But only eight interceptions, 21 touchdowns, a pretty good year for the 49ers. Ended up going to the NFC Championship game that season. Things started to turn in 2015. He only played nine games, six touchdowns, five interceptions. Then, of course, last year... He only had four picks, 16 touchdowns in 12 games, but didn't throw for many yards in terms of the games that he played, and his completion percentage was a shade under 60%. Now, as a team, there's no doubt about it. The 49ers were awful. Colin Kaepernick was just one piece to the puzzle, I will say that. 49ers were historically bad at defending the run. Swiss cheese. I remember playing in Daily Fantasy. And looking at the running backs who were playing the 49ers that week and then picking them with ultimate confidence because I knew they were going to roll. So the point being is that, yes, Colin Kaepernick has the ability to be a successful 
quarterback. The problem is general managers, owners across the National Football League don't want to give this guy a shot because they think he could be toxic to their team. Now, it's a really odd theory because of, you know, I guess the logic is that because of his protesting and things like that, you know, the players really won't respect him or fans will protest themselves and not go to these games and that would hurt their revenue stream and all these sort of things. I get it. The business side, I get that. I understand. But at the end of the day, it's about winning. If Colin Kaepernick goes to a team and he thrives on that team, and let's say he does sit during the national anthem, fans are still going to go to the games because they're winning. That's all that matters at the end of the day for these players, for these fans. Kaepernick simply exercising his First Amendment rights. And by the way, he publicly said he's no longer going to sit during these games. So I don't even understand why teams are hesitant to give this guy a chance. Look, he's not going to cost a lot of money. It's supply and demand right now. He's coming off a poor year you know, compared to some of his earlier successes. He's not going to ask for a ton of dough. So if a team were to say, look, I'll give you a shot. Come on in the training camp. Compete with my guys. A New York Jets, maybe, although they just signed Josh McCown. That would probably be the end of that. But a quarterback needy team, maybe the Houston Texans. If they don't get Tony Romo, that would be the dream scenario. But I'm always a believer in giving guys second chances. Because as I mentioned, the NFL, such a team-oriented sport, going from one team to another can be like night and day for a player. The system changes. The coaching, the locker room culture can be different from team to team. So Colin Kaepernick, I mean, I, I ask you all to put your political views aside. The guy has played in a Super Bowl. Now, there are players in the past who have won Super Bowls who aren't exactly great quarterbacks, that is. But still, he was pretty darn close to beating my Baltimore Ravens. I remember that pass to Michael Crabtree at the goal line at the end of that Super Bowl, and it sure as heck... Looked like there was a defensive P.I. on that play. A little bit of face guarding, if you will, an official term. So Kaepernick was inches away from perhaps winning a Super Bowl, having a Super Bowl ring. Now, the only team he knows, San Francisco 49ers. So he's been entrenched in that culture for so long. Maybe a fresh new scene for him will kind of wake him up. He's only 29 years old. Second round pick back in 2011. Six years under his belt. That's a healthy amount for a quarterback. I say a team that needs a quarterback or maybe needs a backup. And it could be a situation where you bring him in as perhaps a backup and he plays so well in training camp that you give him a shot at starting in week one. Could be one of those situations. Maybe with the Chicago Bears. I know they signed Mike Lennon. But... Who knows with him? Our sample size really isn't that great with Glennon, so we don't know what exactly we're going to get from him. You know, he has the stature, he has the size, he has the arm. Kind of like uh, Josh Freeman. 
a guy who I liked a lot a couple of years ago, just in terms of his physical presence, his arm, and things like that. And he's right now he doesn't have a football team in the NFL. So a lot of unknown factors with the Chicago Bears. So maybe they bring in Colin Kaepernick. I don't know. Maybe the Jets do. They have some some cap room. Maybe the Cleveland Browns give Kaepernick a shot there. I don't know. But I think he will find a team by the time training camp comes around. Some other NFL headlines here. How about Marshawn Lynch? Could we see him emerge in the NFL once again? Now, his agent said, quote, he does miss football, no question. So what exactly does that mean? I don't know. It could be a Brett Favre situation where you step away from the game and Marshawn Lynch is starting to feel the bug bite a little bit to get back on the football field. I'm sure he's in fantastic shape. In fact, that's what the reports are saying. Ian Rappaport, NFL Network Insider, saying this is more real than ever before. And people are pointing to the Oakland Raiders. That makes a lot of sense for me. The Raiders don't have a true bell cow running back right now. Latavius Murray, he's gone. And the Raiders sport one of the best offensive lines in the National Football League. Look, they're really good in pass protection. That's their calling card. But these are stonewallers as well in the run game. And they are just getting on the right foot. They are just starting to emerge. You haven't heard about this offensive line in the, before the 2016 campaign. There's a reason for that. You know, they're just starting to find their stride. Donald Penn at left tackle. Assembly, former Raven, has been really, really good at run blocking in years past. Rodney Hudson, a stalwart at the center position. So if Marshawn Lynch were to go to a team, I think the Oakland Raiders would make the most sense, wouldn't it? I mean, really, he's the last piece to the puzzle here for the Oakland Raiders if you look at their offense. The receivers are there. The offensive line is there. The quarterback, really good. As long as he doesn't get hurt, he is pretty solid. He lowered his turnovers last year. Back in 2015, that was kind of his issue in terms of throwing interceptions, things like that. So Marshawn Lynch, you know, I see a future there. Oakland, Bay Area, not too far from Seattle. So you're still on the West Coast, if you will. So we'll see what happens, but I think Marshawn Lynch could certainly find a home in Oakland. If he were to unretire, I think he, the Raiders would be the top choice. Moving on now to Jersey Gate, Tom Brady now has both of his missing Super Bowl jerseys. There you go, Tom. There you go. According to Fox Sports, this was a pretty bombshell headline coming out from Jay Glazer. Mr. Glazer, always really good with these inside scoops. That uh, Tom Brady's two stolen Super Bowl jerseys had been found in Mexico. In Mexico, across the border. That's where they were hiding. And Tom Brady releasing a statement recently saying that uh, he thanks law enforcement for helping out, and the FBI was involved in the whole situation. And, uh, you know, earlier, you remember the videos after the Super Bowl with Brady saying, you know, I, I left it right there, right in the back. I mean, I swear, it was one of those deals, right? And after the game saying, what can you do? I'll take the ring. That's good enough for me. But deep down, you know, he really wanted those jerseys. I mean, 
historical Super Bowl performance in that second half for Tom Brady and the New England Patriots. I don't think I've gone public, actually, in terms of my thoughts on that Super Bowl recently. Maybe it was because I just didn't really want to digest it all, being a Ravens fan and all that. But you got to give it to the Patriots. The adversity that they faced in that first half. Unreal. And bouncing back. So Tom Brady gets his jerseys back. And all is well with the world. Now, the underlying story here. You have to wonder how much more tough will media credentialing get for the Super Bowl. Because this guy was credentialed for international media, part of a newspaper company and all that. And he ended up stealing these jerseys. So in terms of access, it's going to be interesting to see uh, how stricter the officials get in terms of allowing media into the locker room, allowing media to media days where they do all the interviews with all the players from both teams, of course. So that's something to watch going into February 2018, where is that going to fall in terms of the restrictions and things like that? You know, it seems like with today, anybody can really be a journalist, an on-air personality. They can have their own company, and maybe those folks aren't allowed in because of this situation with stolen jerseys. Von Miller, he too was a victim of this whole situation. Uh, in terms of losing uniforms. So we'll see what happens uh, in terms of that. Um, Of course, you have the NFL owners meetings coming up pretty darn soon, and a lot of talk has been surrounding the overtime rules, shortening overtime from 15 minutes to 10 minutes, and we could see a lot more ties. So, folks, if you like ties, and I'm – I've yet to find one person who does. Well, you're going to be following those owners meetings pretty darn closely because we could see a shorter overtime duration from 15 minutes to 10 minutes. One thing I want to get to to wrap up NFL talk here. Ben Roethlisberger has floated around the idea that he may retire. And it's really not that far-fetched. If you look at his career, the guy has been beaten and battered. He has had teams where the offensive line just was not there in terms of pass protection. Now, some of it is a little bit on Mr. Roethlisberger because he tends to hold on to the football a little longer than most players. Aaron Rodgers kind of does the same thing, although he's been pretty fortunate with good pass-protecting offensive lines. But my point is, Roethlisberger has been dinged up for the better part of the last 10 years, it seems. Uh, There's always something that's going on with him. And people say, well, maybe he's just kind of a drama queen or whatever. I really don't think that's the case. I really do think... He's a tough guy. I just believe that he has taken these crazy shots. And by the way, he stays up many times. Even to complete a pass, he is still up there uh, after taking these licks. So it's not that far-fetched. You look back January 24th, Roethlisberger telling 93.7 the fan in Pittsburgh that he needed to, quote, take some time away to evaluate next season if there's going to be a next season. Now, this was January 24th, recently after the loss to the New England Patriots, so 
you know, a little post-game kind of depression, if you will. Maybe. I mean, that's certainly uh, the case. And Tomlin saying, of course, he said it, so you do take it seriously. So I'm sure a lot of the teammates on Pittsburgh are looking at Ben saying, hey, we're almost there. You know, Le'Veon Bell had a groin injury in the playoffs. He was dealing with that. How about give it one more run? See what happens. Whatever. Maybe that's going on behind the scenes. I don't know. And uh, now the belief is he's, quote, leaning towards playing again without fully committing. We'll see. Uh, we have a few weeks to really kind of dive into that story because – Really, he has no obligations. The guy's a veteran. doesn't really need to go to OTAs or anything like that, although he probably should if he wants to get some good reps in. So Ben Roethlisberger, if he does indeed retire, that's an open door for the Baltimore Ravens and the Cincinnati Bengals, dare I say it, even the Cleveland Browns. Because if Ben retires, the quarterback situation for the Pittsburgh Steelers looking pretty tough, looking pretty bleak. All right, let's move on to golf here. Tiger Woods, as I mentioned in the open, has done a few media tours. Had a one-on-one with Michael Strahan on Good Morning America yesterday, March 20th. Talking about the Masters, of course, and Tiger Woods saying he will do everything possible to play at Augusta starting April 6th. So it's just a couple of weeks away. You have the WGC event this week. And then one more tournament after that, the Shell Houston Open. And then it's the Masters, folks. It's right on our doorstep. And there was a report a few days ago saying that Tiger really just can't do anything at all. It was an anonymous report from a person who was, quote, close to the situation, close to Tiger, saying he just can't do anything right now except putt. And... Tiger's agent now coming out and saying that that's not true at all. Tiger Woods is doing everything possible to play for the Masters. Now, the interesting thing about the Masters, Tiger could technically wait all the way to Thursday morning, a minute before his tee time, to declare that he can or cannot play in the event. Do I anticipate him doing that? Absolutely not. Tiger Woods is a class act. I love the guy for a reason. He is going to probably announce it a few days ahead of time to give an opportunity to an alternate or whatever to play in the Masters. So I don't think he'll wait that long. However, he does have that length of time. Usually on the PGA Tour, you have to commit or decommit uh, a week ahead, usually that Friday before the first round on Thursday. So there you have it, Tiger Telling Michael Strahan he's doing everything possible to be ready for the Masters. He really wants to play in that event. Uh, The site of his first major, as you all know, 1997. And that's actually what his book is about. His first Masters victory, getting that first green jacket. So it's it's a tournament that's important to him. Very close to him, very close to his heart. So we'll see what happens. We'll monitor the situation. I'm sure I'll analyze more statements from Tiger, more reports that come out. But know this, he's trying, folks. He has not said that he will not play in the event. So take that with what you wish. Now, in terms of this week, 
the Dell Technologies Match Play Tournament commencing tomorrow. And this is a unique event because, of course, it's match play. It's March Madness for the PGA Tour. You can fill out your bracket. Do it on PGATour.com before it's too late. And a recent change to this format here. So it starts off with pool play. So it's round robin style. You're in a group with three other golfers. If you come out of that group with the most wins, you advance to the round of 16, where it's just straight up single elimination. And there was actually a selection show on Golf Channel last night, which is pretty interesting. It was a kind of cool program. They had some celebrities on. They had the head coach of the Texas Longhorns football team on because the tournament is in Texas, in Austin to be more specific. So it's a home game for Jordan Spieth, if you will. Hint, 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 hint. Uh, and the field features... You know, some stout guys, some people dropped out, Ricky Fowler, Henrik Stenson. Some of these guys want to prep for the Masters in their own way. And, yeah, I mean, I kind of understand that because you look at this tournament, you're playing perhaps from Wednesday to Sunday. A couple of those days, you're playing more than one round of golf. So with that said, it takes a toll on you, even though you do have a week after that if you don't want to play the Shell Houston Open, but I digress. Here are my picks for the Dell Technologies Match Play Tournament. Group number one, I have Martin Keimer emerging into the round of 16. Group number two, I have Rory McIlroy coming out. Of number three, I have Lee Westwood, grizzled veteran, really solid player. Ross Fisher coming out of group four. And then in group five, I have Jordan Spieth, of course, Emerging into the round of 16. Group 6, Matt Fitzpatrick, the Englishman, young player, good player. He has the stamina, I think, to really make a run of things. We'll see if he does. Group 7, John Rahm. Really love this guy, the Spaniard. Consistent player. His first time in this event. But I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt here. Number 8, Group 8. I have... Thong Chai Jai D, who is not the highest seed in this group, but he has some pretty good history here. I'm going to pick him to advance. In group number nine, Patrick Reed. He has a great history playing at the Ryder Cup. I'm going to go with Reed emerging out of that group. Although Brooks Kepka, Kevin Kisner, Jason Dufter have all shown elite flashes in years past. Group number 10, Rafa Cabrera Bayo, the Spaniard. He has a healthy amount of match play tournaments under his belt. I'll pick him to advance. Group 11, Russell Knox. Really good in terms of scoring birdies. That's important in match play. You can kind of have some bad holes when you're playing in this type of format. So I have Russell Knox coming out of group 11. Group number 12, Paul Casey. So solid. Uh, really good history at this tournament. I think he emerges. He plays Spieth in the next round. Group number 13, brutal in terms of bad play. Paul Watson, Thomas Peters, Scott Piercy, Johnny Vegas. This is all relative speaking to the other groups. I have Johnny Vegas emerging out of group 13. Group 14, it features Phil Mickelson. I'm not picking him, though. I'm going Daniel Berger, Young Gun, Balmer. Uh, he'll play Lee Westwood in the next round, the round of 16. And group number 15, this is a tough one. Not a lot of firepower here. I'll go Brant Seneca, though. He actually has some pretty good 
history at this event. Pretty good sample size. You don't really see that with the other players in his group. And finally, group number 16, Matt Kuchar is in there, but I'm going to go with Tommy Fleetwood, the Englishman. Now, quickly here, we'll just go through my bracket. Round of 16, Keimer beating Fleetwood. Patrick Reed beating Jai D. Spieth takes down Paul Casey. Johnny Vegas beats Ross Fisher. Uh, and going up top, Rory McIlroy beating Brant Snedeker. Rafael Cabrera-Bayo losing to John Rahm. Russell Knox will beat Matt Fitzpatrick. Westwood beats Daniel Berger. Quarterfinals, McElroy loses to John Rahm. Russell Knox beats Lee Westwood. Jordan Spieth beats Johnny Vegas. Martin Keimer takes down Patrick Reed. Semifinals, Keimer will lose to Jordan Spieth. Spieth goes to the finals. John Rahm takes down Russell Knox. So it's Rahm versus Spieth in the finals. And I have the Spaniard, John Rahm. Winning the WGC Dental Technologies Match Play Championship in his first ever edition. No experience in match play in his young career, but I'm going to take him to beat Jordan Spieth. And then in the consolation round, I have Martin Keimer, the German, taking down Russell Knox, the Scot. So really an all-international Final Four, if you will. So there you have it, Dell Technologies Tournament starts tomorrow so a little early golf for you golf fans out there thanks so much for taking time out of your day folks to listen to the cam rogers show here on espn new hampshire and espnnh.com i will see you next week with some new headlines and of course a little college basketball because the final four coming up it's the cam rogers show take care everybody